Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. Today we discuss the final factor of the path, right concentration. The term samadhi can be aptly translated as collectedness, composure, or unification as well as the most conventional concentration. None is ideal. Here we'll use concentration, but in other talks I've used composure or mental composure. But with the caveat, concentration should not be confused with absorption in a meditation object or one-pointedness found in most yogic meditation techniques. Significantly, the term samadhi may well have originated with the Buddha himself, suggesting a desire on his part to distinguish samadhi from existing techniques of meditation, which had traditionally been called jhana in Pali. The concentrated mind is one with a special stillness and clarity with all of its factors arrayed that is conducive, in fact, necessary for the final leg of the path to awakening. Just as if there were a pool of water in a mountain glen, clear, limpid, and unsullied, where a man with good eyesight standing on the bank could see shells, gravels, and pebbles, and also shoals of fish swimming about and resting. In the same way, with his mind thus concentrated, purified and bright, unblemished, free from defects, pliant, malleable, steady, and attained to imperturbability, the monk directs and inclines it to the knowledge of the ending of the mental fermentations. Non-Buddhist meditation methods typically bring the mind to a single point of concentration in which mental processing, even the senses, can stop, which is often experienced as profound and blissful. Right concentration is different. It is the natural extension of the path and most immediately the natural extension of mindfulness with investigation into the calm abiding of a still mind, but not generally of one absorbed in a meditation object. For For one of right right mindfulness, mindfulness, right right concentration concentration springs up. It is then only through right concentration that the higher realizations and awakening are possible. What mental factors are collected in concentration? First, our mind must be secluded from distracting and haphazard factors, particularly by holding the hindrances at bay through right effort. This produces a relative purity and seclusion of mind in which we can practice mindfulness effectively, which provides 
the conditions for additional factors of concentration to arise. Second, the seven factors of awakening appear lined up in a causal chain as follows. First, mindfulness. Second, investigation of experience. Third, energy. Fourth, delight. Fifth, calm. Sixth, concentration, samadhi. And seventh, equanimity. Mindfulness recalls Dhamma to support investigation of experience, referred to as clear comprehension in the attending of mindfulness, discussed last week. Investigation, when ardently undertaken, takes on a degree of energy, which in turn tends to lead to delight. Delight, piti, often translated as rapture, is a feeling of well-being that includes pleasure, but is more energetic than simple pleasure because it has a bit of excitement in it. Investigation is fun. Nonetheless, the feeling of well-being that comes with delight leads to calm even as a bit of excitement persists. The transition from delight to calm is a kind of tipping point, since up to now the three previous factors of awakening have been energizing. Calm sets the condition for concentration in which these factors become neatly arrayed as if looking into a mountain pond, clear, limpid, and unsullied. Notice that through concentration we additionally reach equanimity, or impartiality, which is very conducive to wisdom and ultimately to awakening. It should be appreciated that mindfulness and investigation of experience persists in the concentrated but not absorbed mind. In fact, one of the designated subjects of investigation listed under the fourth foundation of mindfulness, phenomena, is the set of factors of awakening itself, which indicates that mindfulness persists while the subsequent factors naturally arise and are each investigated in turn, thus turning right view about the factors of awakening into wisdom as we witness the factors arising in our own experience. Jhanas Meditation comes in different forms, but it's not right concentration unless it derives from straightened views and intentions from purified virtue and from a basis in right effort and right mindfulness. There are right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, and right mindfulness. The unification of mind equipped with these seven factors is called noble right concentration with its supports and accessories. Right concentration is repeatedly in the early discourses divided into four stages called jhana. Jhana also had the meaning meditation or contemplation before the Buddha but the Buddha regularly used it in this technical sense. 
for which almost all translators retain the Pali word. And And what what is right right concentration? concentration? There is the case where a monk, quite withdrawn from sensuality, withdrawn from unskillful qualities, enters and remains in the first jhana, delight and pleasure born from seclusion, accompanied by thought and evaluation. With the stilling of thoughts and evaluations, he enters and remains in the second jhana, delight and pleasure born of concentration, unification of mind, free from thought and evaluation, internal assurance. With the fading of delight, he remains equanimous, mindful, and alert, and senses pleasure with the body. He enters and remains in the third jhana, of which the noble ones declare, equanimous and mindful, he has a pleasant abiding. With the abandoning of pleasure and pain, as with the earlier disappearance of elation and distress, he enters and remains in the fourth jhana, purity of equanimity and mindfulness, neither pleasure nor pain. This is called right concentration. Okay, in summary, we can go through the jhana factors. In the first jhana, we have thought and evaluation. In the second jhana, thought and evaluation disappears and is not found in the third or fourth jhana. The factor of delight is found in the first jhana, persists in the second jhana, but is absent in the third jhana and the fourth jhana. Pleasure is found in the first jhana, the second jhana, and the third jhana, but is absent in the fourth jhana. So as we go from jhana to jhana, these three factors, thought evaluation, delight, and pleasure, one by one drop out so that they're all absent in the fourth jhana. The three factors of unification, equanimity, and mindfulness appear in the higher jhanas. Unification appears in the second jhana and is also found in the third and fourth jhana. Equanimity appears first in the third jhana and is purified in the fourth jhana. Mindfulness is found in all four jhanas, but is particularly strong in the fourth jhana. The progression from one jhana to the next is consistent with the trend already evident in the seven factors of awakening, a trajectory from more energetic to more calm. Recall that the four jhanas are stages of concentration itself in this series. The first three factors here are energizing and so must weaken as we enter higher stages of jhana. The last three are calming and so grow as we enter higher stages of jhana. Specifically, each successive jhana is produced from the preceding by the loss of the most energetic remaining factor. The factors of thought and evaluation found in the first jhana are particularly energetic, having having a discursive quality generally centering around the topic of investigation. Thought and evaluation are the verbal formation 
one breaks into speech. With loss of thought and evaluation, we enter the second jhana and beyond. Since these discursive elements are absent, the second jhana is referred to as noble silence. The loss of these two factors together by the second jhana necessarily shuts any tendency toward intellectual proliferation out of investigation from that point on. The loss of the more subtly energizing factor of delight, which is also the fourth of the seven factors of awakening, puts us into the third jhana. Even the quiet pleasure that initially accompanies delight is too energetic for the fourth jhana. Meanwhile, more serene factors accumulate to offset the loss of the more energetic factors. Notice that mindfulness must, in fact, be present as a causal factor in the first jhana, as a condition of concentration in the first place, though it is not explicitly listed for the early jhanas. It's mentioned in the higher jhanas, suggested that it becomes increasingly strong, acute, and self-sustaining in the higher jhanas. In this way, mindfulness and concentration are mutually supportive. It's important to bear in mind that evaluation as a factor of mindfulness continues unabated even in the fourth jhana. A monk in each jhana regards whatever phenomena connected with form, feelings, perceptions, formations, and consciousness as inconsistent, stressful, a disease, a cancer, an arrow, painful, an affliction, alien, a disintegration, avoid non-self. Jhana is therefore not the state of extreme absorption common in non-Buddhist traditions, which would cut off all conceptualization altogether. For instance, the Buddha praises Sariputta for his talents in investigation in all jhanas. Whatever qualities there are in the first jhana, he ferrets them out one by one. Known by him, they remain. Known to him, they subside. He then makes exactly the same statement, but with regard to the second jhana, the third jhana, and the fourth jhana. A practice that intersects with jhana practice progresses instead through increasingly refined perceptions. Each step focuses on a sphere of perception which is empty of the grosser aspects of the previous sphere and is thereby said to be empty of them. In this process of deconstruction, we no longer perceive people, but perceive the forest, then no longer perceive the forest, but perceive the ground, the final material realm. Then we see the world as infinite space, then as consciousness itself, then as nothingness, and finally we enter the sphere of neither perception nor non-perception. These final four immaterial spheres are sometimes listed in conjunction with the four jhanas. The Buddha claimed to have spent most of his time this way dwelling in emptiness. 
In summary, right concentration is the natural progression of the practices of right effort and right mindfulness into a refined state of serenity and unification of mind. The telescoping of the three final steps of the path explains why the three together are called specifically the concentration group. Since the factors arising in right effort and right mindfulness are collected in right concentration. As the awakened nun, Dhammadina, put it, Unification of mind is concentration. The four attendings of mindfulness are its themes. The four right efforts are its requisites. And any cultivation, development, and pursuit of these qualities are its development. Since right concentration depends on all the previous steps of the path, the mind, as it enters concentration, already inclines towards wisdom and virtue, toward viewing reality in terms of impermanent suffering and non-self, toward renunciation, kindness, and harmlessness, toward purification of the mind from unwholesome factors, and toward appropriate attention and mindfulness. Right concentration consolidates all of the path practice into a crystal clear state in which practice really starts to cook, to produce the delectable odors of wisdom. There is no jhana for one with no wisdom, no wisdom for one without jhana. But one with both jhana and wisdom, he's on the verge of nibbana. We'll stop here. We've covered the three factors of the cultivation or samadhi group. But next week, we'll discuss how these work to deepen wisdom which is both the beginning and end of Buddhist practice on the path.